Hello, New York, and yes, I'm back. Welcome to another episode of New York Take a Walk. I'm Steve Durr, alongside Ethan Birch and Max Tenzer. A lot to break down. Uh, we're through two games of the World Series so far. We'll get into more detail with that later on in the episode, but we got some Gold Glove nominees, and since this is a New York baseball show, and I know Max is a Mariner fan, but we're going to go into the New York players first. The Yankees have two nominees. Uh, at third base for the American League is Gio Urshela. That's no surprise to anyone. If you've seen him play this year, he's been a phenomenal third baseman, and he could easily take home this award. But then we have the surprise, Clint Frazier. Yes, Clint Frazier, who was sent down last season due to his defense, is now nominated for Gold Glove in right field, representing the New York Yankees. So, gentlemen, how are we? And give me some reactions to these nominees. I'm doing good, Steven. I was pretty surprised when I saw this too. I mean, the adversity that he's gone through, just the fact that he deserves to be playing at the major league level and has not gotten that opportunity really full time until this year. And then it makes me flash back to that Sunday night baseball game against the Red Sox where he bobbled that ball in right field, got a lot of heat for it. Wasn't particularly great with the media on it, uh, but our big turnaround this season, I had the same reaction as you. I was shocked to see that he was in this top three finalist, but I take, I took a look at oh, the yeah. metrics here. Oh yeah. I was taking a look at the metrics here, Steve, and he actually ranks fifth in major league baseball, third in the American league out of all right fielders and outs above average uh, with two. And then is also fairly good with uh, his jumps off the bat as well. The routes aren't quite there according to baseball savant, but uh, those two things combined actually justify it a little bit more. I don't think he's going to win this by any means, but <laughs> I think I do. I do think you could justify that he is one of the better right fielders now, in Major League Baseball, at least with that small sample size. You know, I think that's a cool thing for Clint Frazier to be recognized in this sense. As you said, he's criticized heavily defensively, including last year being sent down because of it. And with all the Yankees outfield problems, this is cool for them to get un- can really put his name out there again. And even if the Yankees want to use him in a trade, I feel like this helps the Yankees out in two different ways. Oh, no, 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 no. Go back on that thought. The Yankees <laughs> cannot trade Clint Frazier. What makes you think that they would not, though? Because you learn now that Stan is the DH for the future. You learn now that Judge and Stan are health liabilities. And Clint Frazier is, is the everyday left fielder, at least, for the New I York feel like Yankees. we learned that, though. Yeah, so they're not trading him. I mean, last year. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. I'm, just, I'm not saying I, they would, but it, it makes that it happen. angry. And if you want to see an angry... Look, if he doesn't have a spot to play, if, if he doesn't have a spot to play next year, then I think you should trade him and get a starting pitcher a or spot. whatever you need. Dude, no, but no, no, that's no, what no, I'm right. saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He <laughs> does have a spot. I'm saying the only thing that makes sense is if he does not have a secured spot in that outfield right now. I swear if the Yankees said, go with Brett Gardner... I don't know what to do. I mean, they platoon. I wouldn't be surprised. At least. Well, that's different. That's different because that's different because Gardner was the hot hitter at the end of the postseason, which is why he was the hottest hitter on the Yankees, actually. And he had good numbers against Bieber, too. Yeah. So, like, that's the reason why. So, I understand that. But next year, this is the move on from Gardner phase. You bring in Gardner. If you want to bring him back, he needs to be the backup. He needs to be the guy you put in for off days. I don't mind him being the backup or if he's there just in case. Stan no, it's not bad. He's the longest tenure Yankee. He's yeah, like a yeah. Type of but I, I hope Gardner just knows that and expects that. And I hope Frazier expects himself to at least be in the outfield. But going back to the conversation of Gold Glove, this is an upset alert for sure. 
Yeah, no, I I was surprised about it. Gio Urshela, on the other hand, has been one of the best defensive third basemen and infielders in general in Major League Baseball for the last couple of years, even to his days with the Indians back in 2017. Uh, so there's no surprise there, and I, I think there's definitely a good chance he will win it, unlike Clint in this case, which I think you just got to be happy he's in that top three. So let's talk. To, let's move this talk over to the New York Mets and talk about all their Gold Glove candidates. Psych. And Steve, move on. <laughs> um. So let's just talk about a quick prediction for this Gold Glove. Obviously, it seems like we don't think Clint Frazier is going to win. Who do you think is going to win in that position? Right. Uh, I, I I like Joey Gallo, even though you know it's the guy that you see out there. And you're like, this guy does not look like an outfielder right now. Nope. He is an incredible super athletic. Yeah, super athletic, an incredible arm, a cannon, and then also the metrics speak for themselves as well. Up there, defensive run saves out above average as well. In a very vast outfielder outfield over there in Globe Life Field too, uh, he gets it done, and I I think he's going to win that one. Yeah, I agree. As I, I just said you. before, he's super athletic. He did, you said he's ginormous. It's incredible. You watch a guy like him move and not that he's on his level at all, but it's kind of funny watching G-Man Choi play because he's super athletic as well. He might be a big guy, but he moves Robbery. very well. Robbery wasn't nominated for first base goal. Glove. I agree. He, he's really impressive. He's actually been so good, but honestly, you've seen it more in the postseason. So maybe that's. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, moving to third base. Is Gio Rochella going to take home that gold glove? I believe he will be. I think he can, but I think a guy that's really slept on it is Isaiah Kleiner-Kalefa. He had I agree, one of the yeah. best years. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, the metrics speak for themselves in that case as well. Uh, but again, he's on the Texas Rangers, a guy who's mostly been a utility man in his career. I'm pretty sure he's caught at some point in the last couple of years too. Uh, but he was phenomenal defensively this year at the hot corner too. So I think that's really a tight race between him and Urshela. I think if either of those two win, I won't be upset. I don't think it'll be a catastrophe if uh, he beats Urshela out. Agreed with me. I think that... Urshela put together a really good defensive season. He's probably solidified his spot at third base for the Yankees. So overall, he hits very well. Obviously, that doesn't mean anything, but for his Yankees standpoint, but I'll go. With, I'll agree with Max. So we have two non-Urshelas over here. I'm going <laughs> to ride. I think with it could happen. I think it could happen. I think happen, that one's going to be very close. Yes, that's what I'm saying, too. Urshela's also made the plays that – put the Yankees over the top in certain games, and especially for a contending team. And I think that's a little bit of a factor too. No, and I think Urshela gets a little bit more attention. One, because his plays are very flashy, which I, that doesn't take anything away. Uh, but you're right. He's also on the bigger team, so forth. I mean, I'm looking at the stack cast records for Kalefa right now, or Kiner Falefa right now, 97th percentile and outs above average, uh, which yeah. is right up there at the very, very top. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not going to be close, and I think a lot of people, if Rochelle or if Kiner Falefa wins, will be asking, "Who the heck is this guy? Why is Rochelle not winning?" And I think that would give him some attention that he deserves in this case. All right, Max, I'm going to give you a quick Max Mariner talk. Break it down. They got two Gold Glove nominees. Let's see it. Yeah, so Evan White. I mean, Evan White, when he was drafted, was already being compared to JT Snow. All right, there's no question in my mind that he's a gold glove uh, candidate right here. Matt Olson is tremendous. I do think Olson will take this one. But again, Evan White's a guy two, three years from now, I think will be consistently winning this one. Uh, but I'm very happy to see him in there. Again, the bat was a big struggle uh, this year out of the gate, but he could pick it well. He's incredibly athletic. This was a guy who played outfield at Kentucky in college as well when he was drafted. You know, there was a question, is he going to play first base or in the outfield? That's just how athletic he is. 
I think that athleticism plays a big role with first basemen, especially these days, which aren't necessarily the most athletic men on the field. And then J.P. Crawford, again, another phenomenal story. The Mariners brought in Perry Hill as their infield instructor back a few years ago, and him and J.P. Crawford have worked consistently every single day to improve that. J.P. has so much range and athleticism. If you guys watch some of the plays he makes, it's absolutely unbelievable where he can, you know, throw Max off. Max loves his- it. He I- loves I- it. He literally can throw the off of one leg. He could throw a strike off of one leg deep in the six hole on the cut of the outfield grass <laughs> while diving right before. Uh, I, I'm happy for him. Again, Correa had good numbers this year. I don't think Goodrum, while Goodrum ranks high in the metrics, Goodrum only played 250 innings or so at shortstop this year versus Correa and or Crawford had twice the amount. So I do think this is a two-man race right now. Correa has the arm, the range as well. He was better positioned due to analytics that the Astros have, and they were a little bit smarter in that case this year. I do think Correa wins it as well. But J.P. Crawford, another guy to look out for in the next couple of years. Regardless, these are the guys getting it done next year for the Mariners to make the playoffs. That's my prediction. I texted <laughs> I texted Max that. Really? It, I, you know, it looks like MLB could go to the expanded postseason next season. I don't MLB want that, but if I don't want that, it'll help the Mariners, but I don't it'll want, I really don't want, I don't. I think, Even they, if, I, I think if they do, if they do, they should not let the one, at least the one seed play. I think that, yeah, the, yeah, no, they, the one seed, yes, they shouldn't be, be able to play a best of three because they could lose and that just botches their season. What they've Absolutely. done, yeah, the no, they said they won't be this big. Um, yeah. but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Moving on, there is a world series going on, it is not featuring the Mariners, it is not featuring the Mets, <laughs> and it is not featuring the Yankees. It is featuring the two best teams in baseball this season, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, at the time we were recording this, the series is tied at one game apiece. Uh, going down game one, the Dodgers pretty much handled that really well. You see, you saw the Rays kind of battling back into the ball game, but at the same time, the Dodgers at the end held their own. And a big headline in that one is Clayton Kershaw finally getting that big start in the World Series. Now, I know a lot of people bash on Clayton Kershaw's playoff post playoff career, excuse me. But overall, he's he's honestly had a decent playoff career. It's just inconsistency. He'll have a really good game or a really bad game. And man, he really turned up in game one. Statistics show that Clayton Kershaw actually has the most starts with eight plus strikeouts in the postseason. It's just that obviously he has those moments where he's given up some big home runs. But I have a I have a strong prediction for Clayton Kershaw. I think he can come out of here a World Series MVP. I think oh. I have a hard prediction. Hard prediction. Hard prediction. He comes out in game five, because you know game five is going to be big. It's a one-one series. I think that he comes out in game five with a really super start. We've been waiting for Kershaw to have one of these really clutch World Series moments. He had a good one, but in the words of John Schmoltz, that is not what that is not done yet. He still has another game to pitch, and I think he comes out here and dominates. And if this game goes to, if this series goes to seven, maybe a relief perf- uh, appearance from Clayton Kershaw. I wouldn't be surprised. But he's my World Series MVP prediction. I know we're not even saying that, but I'm really impressed with Clayton he Kershaw. Is, I have high hopes for him. He is I, right now the fourth highest odds to win World Series MVP. I'd love to see it. And I was all Clayton Kershaw coming into this ball game. You guys, uh, something that John Smoltz talked about was the fact that, you know, in certain cases, you know, they were pitching him under short rest and so forth. And he'd already thrown 200 to 230 innings in almost every single season. I think the arm is a little bit more rested here in this case. They're not trying to push him in these situations or didn't at least in the DS and CS. And I think that'll benefit him big time in this one right here, but he's in the exact same spot to touch on what Ethan brought up right there, that he was in 2017. People forget game one of the 2017 series world series 
series. He actually dominated the Astros lineup, got the win. And then it was game five, that dramatic game five in which the Astros rooted him, uh, that big home run from Gurriel and so forth. I know Keiko got hit hard too. Garnered, there was potentially sign stealing in that ball game, but still that really added to this, you know, this storyline of that Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in these big games. Now here's going to be the difference maker is game five this time, which Clayton Kershaw are we going to see? And I think he's facing a lineup that's a lot weaker than the 2018 Boston Red Sox and the 2017 Houston Astros. I think he will get it done. I will not be surprised if he wins World Series MVP as well. And there is a guaranteed game five. It is one, one and Kershaw's already slated at for game five. Um, the Dodgers announced that they're going obviously Walker Bueller game three and Jose Urias game four. So that's a, that's a good idea. Urias definitely deserves a start, but we'll get into more previews later. Uh, Dodgers won that game eight to three. Mookie Betts uh, won tacos for all as well. And man, oh man, he's a stud. He's, he's the first you- player in MLB history to win tacos two times for America. Wow, Ethan, I've never heard that one before since game one has happened. <laughs> you know what? And what I like about Mookie Betts too, is that. he's not just doing it with the bat. Uh, he obviously had his first postseason home run in game one of that series. He's able to manufacture runs on both sides of the game. He's saving runs on the defense. We saw that in the championship series while hitting 220 in that series. Then offensively as well, getting on base, drawing a walk if he needs to, stealing second, stealing third. And obviously the contact play with what was a tremendous play by Yandy Diaz to just make that close. But Mookie Betts, a tremendous base runner, was able to to beat it out, of course. Uh, he's transcending the game, and he is the contrast. It juxtapizes what the Rays offense is struggling with the most in this situation because the Rays are, you know, they rely so much on the long ball. In the championship series, I think two-thirds of their runs were scored via the home run, and 66% of those or so were solo home runs. Now, Mookie Betts. Uh, oh, not really game two, though. No, 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 no. I know. I'm talking about the entire championship series. The, but no, 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 no. And I was going to get, okay, you're talking about game two of the World Series. Yes. And I thought you were saying, talking about it in general right now, but game they fixed on game two, but continue. No, 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 no. What I was saying was in the championship series, the majority of their runs were scored via the home run. So that was one of the biggest bugaboos for this Rays offense is that, you know, they're scoring two, three runs per game because all they hit is solo home runs for the most part here. Mookie Betts able to manufacture those runs. And then in game two, we saw them start to get base hits. The Joey Wendell two-run double. Saw a couple stolen base attempts as well from Kevin Cash running on the contact play. They are really realize that they need to mix things up a little bit more just because you're playing in a huge ballpark and globe life field. And without Randy or Rosarena, the team hit a buck 80 in the championship series. So they need to change it up a little bit. And that's why I think the Dodgers are the better team, not only because they're one of the best offenses, but they can create runs in so many different ways besides the long ball. And listen, this is the race have gotten away with only scoring three or four runs. They only scored five runs once in their past eight games. And they've gotten away with that because of their good pitching. But when you're facing a lineup like the Dodgers, this juggernaut lineup where you don't get a break throughout, whether it's a righty or lefty pitching, you'll face Jock Peterson at the end of the lineup. That's crazy right-handed power. A majority of their pitchers happen to be right-handed, take away Blake Snell. So there has to be change, as you said. And last night was a real good start for Kevin Cash and the Rays. Yeah, and you mentioned the Rays' great pitching, and I will be the first to say the Rays have the best pitching staff in Major League Baseball right now. The Dodgers aren't bad either, oh, yeah. though. The bullpen ERA was 2.74 first in Major League Dodgers. Baseball. And their starting rotation is still very good. The amount of depth they have, too, that I think the Rays have to do more than just pitch in this series. I, to win. I By the way, there's, there's only two pitchers on the Dodgers that have never played in the playoffs. 
No, and, and, and what, what I'm saying, Steve, too, is, look, the Rays have better pitching significantly, but the Dodgers have a good enough staff where it makes up for the No, the I Rays. agree. No, I was about to say, I just don't like – so let's move on to game two now. Dodgers won 8-3 game one, whoop-de-doo. Game two, Rays come back. They win 6-4. to four. The one thing I really don't love what the Dodgers are doing, and it kind of showed in game two – is that they're kind of trying to be the Rays. They're trying to outraise mm-hmm. the Rays. It's something the Yankees tried to do and get into the ALCS, and that is something I do not want to get into right now. Because I, guess you're very <laughs> I only think they did it because they had to. I don't think they had anyone rested enough to go in that ballgame, which is why I think they had to piece it together, yeah, which is why it's so Dustin big at the Rays. May. I don't know why they haven't been starting Dustin May. I know. Well, it's funny because at the beginning of the season, he went deep. And then through the second half, it's lower to four innings, three innings, and then it's been like two innings each in the postseason, which is Wait, interesting. Wait, so... I hate to bring it back to game one, but if you look back at game one, because we're talking about pitching and pitching-wise, how far, how far pitchers go. Glasnow threw 112 pitches in game one, and that's gone yes. against everything Kevin Cash has done. I think he did it to rest the bullpen as much as he can, though. Is that yes. okay? Is that I, I was going to ask what you guys think of that? Yeah, something, I agree with that. Yeah. Something they brought up on the TBS broadcast in the championship series is that he doesn't chase ball games. If he's losing, he's not going to bring out his A guns in his bullpen to try and keep them in this ball game to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think his big key here was is that. I want to rest them as much as I can. They so were, I want almost like I want Tyler Glass now to take the bullets right now so that we can use them tomorrow in a game. They were down three. early. Yeah. Like they're well, not early, early, but like it wasn't going too hot early. It was Glass nothing wasn't in the fourth. All, yeah. He wasn't sharp the entire day. He kind of you kind of had that feeling. He did a, he did a lot of feel there as a manager. Yes, it was two to one going to the bottom of the fifth, but you could kind of tell that the Dodgers had all the momentum. And it was honestly a good managerial decision by Kevin Cash and not really bring out the big guns, save them for game two, which Snell pitched absolutely phenomenal until that fifth inning where he lost his no hit bid and st- things started to tumble down. But due to the rested bullpen the Rays had and with the off day being the next day, Kevin Cash was not afraid to go to the pen early. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing for Snell was I, he was definitely getting squeezed by the home plate umpire in that inning. You could tell he was squatting down, jumping up and down after a couple of close pitches. Then the pressure started to load. I know you, to both of you guys know, and playing baseball in high school and so forth, club baseball, of course, uh, when you're pitching under pressure, you know, those pitches aren't just one pitch. That's like one and a half, two pitches right there. So it adds more stress onto your arm, obviously, because the adrenaline's up there. You're trying to do a lot more than if there's nobody on two outs and you're up by six runs, right? Um, so I think... He started to tumble a little bit. The snowball started to get bigger, bigger, and bigger. And Cash is a guy who doesn't let his pitchers, starting pitchers, generally go over 80, 90 pitches, more than five innings. And Snell probably was trying to get through that fifth. But I didn't blame him for bringing in Nick Anderson in that situation because it's such a high leverage pressure situation in that ballgame. Agreed. And I was really impressed with Snell's performance. He was able to shut down this lineup for a decent amount, as, as long as he really needed to. His stuff was really good. And... They actually analyzed his uh, where he releases the ball, so his arm slot on Fox last night, and it's actually incredible how he releases a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup all from the same slot, and they all go different ways except for the passball that just goes straight down. And he throws straight from over the top, so it's coming on a downhill already. Talented, I mean, realistically, Snell's a really talented pitcher, and although he, oh yeah, actually, you know, he won a Cy like, Young by the way, uh, yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he won the same year as the Grom, <laughs> and he <laughs> fell under the radar. He fell under the radar because of injuries in a and last year, right year north exactly. of four last year. Yeah, no, I feel and like also not, too. Yeah, and like opponents are ending like 
060 against his slider. He's like, I definitely would say I'd put him in the category of being effectively wild. I think he led Major League Baseball in wild pitches this year, but it works for him. And as long as he could get through five innings, give up less than two runs, he puts his bullpen in a good spot to keep or hold the lead for them, which is what exactly happened last night. Oh, yeah. And it's just that last year, I feel like he was shadowed by a not too great year last year following his Cy Young. Not really many people talked about him as one of the top pitchers in the AL, but realistically, he's proving it now and that he's been still up there as one of the best pitchers in the AL. Yeah, he really has been. And that game last night, honestly, was one of my favorite games to watch, even though it was even though it seemed like a raised blow at one point when the Dodgers, when it got to the sixth inning on, you can really feel that world series intensity kicking. And it's really hard, especially considering the limited crowd that is allowed in Texas. But you, I was up in my seat watching that game. I, I thought the Dodgers were going to inch back and somehow take it. Uh, but a person that really scares me in the raised bullpen. I don't know why is Fairbanks. And when I mean, scares, I mean, like, I feel like, no, 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 but no, he's no, no, like, no. He can't control it either. I've, that's what I was going to say. Like, well, he's like, like, it's he literally you're either awkward. Gonna... He looks awkward on the mound and he just looks like yeah, his, his eyes are going to bulge out of his head. Weird. Yeah. It looks like he's nervous. It looks like he's very nervous when he's pitching. Yeah, you're going to get one of two guys. You're going to get and... a guy who throws 101, 10 feet up in the air. You're going to get nasty. Reminds me of a fellow Yankee I know that's named Aroldis Chapman. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to say Dylan Batantis a little bit. I have a feeling that later yeah. on, Oh, yeah, and Dylan Patentis too. But anyway, <laughs> I have a feeling that later on, Fairbanks is going to have an issue with the Dodgers lineup, and it's going to come back to haunt the Rays in one of these games. I just had that feeling. He just he looked uncomfortable in that Yankees series too, and I, had, and I thought that the Yankees were going to get to him, but they didn't really. But I think it's going to happen during this World Series because the Dodgers hit righties better than lefties. So I think that would be... That's a little bull prediction of mine. I mean, it could happen. I, I won't put it past it uh, because, again, as I said, it's like you're literally getting two sides of the spectrum in that case. But uh, if you're the Rays, you're hoping that you get the nasty Fairbanks that we saw in his first inning of work last night. I think it was the second inning of work where he gave up the home run to Seager. Agreed. But at the end of the day, if he's not looking comfortable, Cash will waste no time taking him out and going to anyone. He's got this stacked bullpen. Oh, yeah. Got the so at the end of the day, I don't think him completely feeling uncomfortable will bite them. It can. It definitely can in a tough situation, a tight situation. Mm-hmm. He comes on and gives up a bomb, and the race fall out of out of play in that game. But I think that I don't know how much of, of an effect it really will have. Yes, he is one of the guys that Cash definitely leans on later in the ball game, but he just really needs to be able to do his job as long as he's, as you said, just not throwing the ball ten feet over the umpire's head. He should. Be I okay. guess we'll. Oh, go ahead, Max. I was just going to say, and what's nice is they have so many of guys in that quote, quote, stable. I'm sorry, sorry, Steve, but they do like literally four of the five of those guys or four of the eight of, of those guys in that pen, five of the eight, however many uh, could probably close on most major league baseball teams. So they could, they all, they're all right-handed. They're all right-handed pitchers that throw hundred miles an hour. And then if they get Alvarado working, you got a nasty left-hander as well. It just, it doesn't end with them. Filthy. All right. Well, let's go into now the rest of the, Series to uh, game three, like I mentioned before, uh, on Friday, it'll be Walker Bueller versus Charlie Morton. And man, Charlie Morton has turned out, out to be very, very good this postseason so far with oh, a 3 yeah. 0 record and a 0.57 ERA going against Walker Bueller, 1 0 with a 1.89 ERA. 
I believe Charlie Morton has pitched more innings so far this postseason because I feel like the Dodgers have low-key been going with a quicker leash. So, And Bueller's had a problem with his hands a little bit with the blister. So do you, who do you give the advantage to in this game three? It's an interesting one. All right, you can go first, Ethan. Um, so, okay, I'll go quick. I think as much as I love Walker Bueller, how can you doubt Charlie Morton, what he's done this postseason? And he's been there. He's done that. He's been in these big games in a 1-1 game. I kind of like Charlie Morton. I don't know how long he's going to last. I still think the Dodgers are going to win this series at the end of the day. But I kind of like this matchup for Charlie Morton. Bunch of right-handed batters in this lineup, and he proved to be very, very good against a also a right-hand predominant lineup. And when, they, when he played against the Astros in Game 7, his stuff has been really good. And although he doesn't throw, like, gas – his curveball is really good. He's got a nasty two seam with a little bit of cut action on another type of fastball. And I like Morton in this matchup. Yeah, no, I like Morton too. But I would say if I were going to pick a guy who's going to make more of an impact on this ball game, I think it is going to be Walker Bueller. One, a lot of the high leverage bullpen guys were used, or not, I shouldn't say high leverage because Jansen wasn't used or so forth, but you still use guys like May, uh, Gonzalez, and so forth. I don't think Gratterall pitched in game two, uh, but. Most of your guys were used in game two. I think Walker Buehler, they're going to lean a little bit more on. He also has experience in these big-time games, was tremendous against the Braves back his last time out in the championship series last weekend. And not only that, Dave Roberts is willing to go longer with his starters than Kevin Cash is. Again, I don't think Charlie Morton's thrown more than five and two-thirds. You think? Of the this Honestly, year. this po- Max, I might this postseason, I don't really know. Dave well, Roberts has been pretty aggressive. No, 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 I understand that. And that's how everyone usually is in the postseason because you don't want to take a chance on a guy here. But I think if Walker Buehler can get into a groove early, just as he did in the previous championship series game, I think we could see the same thing here. And I think he could play more of a role versus with Morton. It seems the formula is four or five innings, and then we're going to head off to the pen. We even saw it with... uh, uh, in the championship, or yeah, in game seven of the American League Championship Series, Morton could have gone eight innings in that ball game. Takes him out after five and two thirds. And I'm not saying Dave Roberts wouldn't do the same thing in that situation because both are very analytical. But I think Walker Buehler has more of the, or he's more likely to go deeper into this ball game, especially because they used so many guys last time out. I mean, I think just based on their managers, Walker Buehler's bound to go longer than him because of the short lease cash always has, but they have used a lot of bullpen. Both teams have, I believe in these past two games and giving their bullpen, just a rest, just a little bit, maybe letting each of these guys go at least six innings, because I know cash doesn't like letting his starters go that deep other than Tyler Glasnow, but leaving both these guys in this, this can be a really good matchup. This game could easily two one in the sixth inning. I agree. Yes. Um, well, I think going to game four, the Dodgers have your eyes uh, slated to pitch. And the Rays haven't announced a starter, which will, I assume, be a bullpen game with someone being the opener. Could and be Yarbrough, then, too, maybe. Yeah, no, say, no, I was going to say, no, it's, go. it's going to be Yarbrough. If, yeah. But you guys, interrupt, you guys interrupted me, so no, I was kidding. <laughs> but anyway, um, Yarbrough is going to be the bulk guy, at least. If not, he'll be start, starting game four. He did appear in game one, but very, very briefly. You And you mentioned before, Brewstar Gratterall and Dustin May. They're going to play huge impacts, I think, in game four as well. I agree. Uh, yeah. I don't think – I think it's going to be a combination of Gratterall, May, and Urias because uh, all three of them can go a, good, a fair amount of innings. I think we'll see that from the Dodgers – in game four and the hypothetical game six with the off day with two off days for them to rest in between. That's my little prediction, but I want to see what your thoughts are with 
the pitching matchups. Then for the Rays, will be Glasnow game five, I assume, Snell game six, uh, Charlie Morton again, again game seven. For the Dodgers, it's Kershaw game five, and Bueller's lined up to go game seven. I think that with Urias pitching, I think what they've done a lot is go with Gratterall right after him because you go to the lefty and then Gratterall throws cheese with that 100 mile an hour sinker. That's absolutely filthy. But I like that combination. I think it's worked so far in the playoffs. Gratterall will someday be a starting pitcher for the LA Dodgers. It'll just take some time. I think they've either, he'll be, I a, think he could be a closer too. Yeah, I, was, I, was I literally can't believe the say, Red Sox, first of all, didn't want him but yeah, anyway that's, that's, continue. that's, that's out of yeah he's like a <laughs> seth lugo kind of guy i he, that's how he seems in my eyes hard throwing nasty stuff and i like kershaw in game five as i said before and with bueller bueller's lined up six or seven did you say steve he's going game three so he's lined up game seven i'm seven I, that's perfect in my eyes they set that up because one in a one one series which is the worst possible scenario they could have been after game one if they went down oh one they probably would have went bueller game two i assume but they didn't so they put him in bueller's hands in a one one series i love it Game seven lined up. Yep. Uh, you hit it on the nail right there. I think Urias and Gratterall, you know, contrast each other very well. Uh, lefty, righty, both fairly nasty. Urias has been fantastic this postseason as well. 16 innings has not get, or has given up just one earned run. Um, so an 0-5-6 ERA in those innings. So I think I think he's going to continue to shove for this Dodgers team in that ball game. All right, men. We got a minute left here on the show. What are the predictions for the World Series? Ethan Birch, I'm starting with you. I will go Dodgers in six. Full confidence in this team. In the words of Dave Roberts, this is our year. I am right on the Ethan Birch train right here. Dodgers in six for me as well. You know, after watching game two, I'm going to go with the Dodgers in seven. I don't want to see the Rays win the World Series, first of all. But I think the Dodgers win the seven because the Rays really just do have that bounce back ability that I really like. And I think they're going to show it a lot during this series and they won't really go away. So that will wrap up this week's episode of New York. Take a walk. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you will enjoy the rest of this world series for Max Tanzer and Ethan Birch. I'm Steve Durr and enjoy some good baseball.